All right, before we get started, let's talk about NordVPN, our friends that bring you the four-pointer and the ceiling is the roof. So let's talk about your digital hygiene. Every day, I bet you take your phone or your laptop onto public Wi-Fi somewhere and you're not protected because you're not using a VPN. You're connecting your device directly onto whatever random Wi-Fi hotspot that's convenient, and that's how your data gets stolen. That's only one solve that NordVPN can provide for you. Online safety is crucial. Uh, because we spend a substantial amount of our lives on online. <laughs> on online. Sounds funny. Um, but online freedom is also something that you don't even realize is getting taken from you But you're because you're not using a VPN. We travel all across the country and even internationally, which means you can run into situations where you get uh, you know that janky version of Netflix that has none of the shows you like or that janky version of HBO Go. Or worse, it isn't even available because you're getting geo- geo-mapped into a certain location. Why would you let somebody control your online experience right down to the kind of deals you can find on flights? Smart people come up with solutions, and that's exactly what NordVPN has done. For a limited time, go to nordvpn.com mavs or use coupon mavs for a special holiday deal. You'll get a three-year plan for 81% off plus four extra months of NordVPN. That means your subscription is lower than $3.5 a month. That's such a small price to pay for better digital hygiene and freedom online. So visit nordvpn.com slash mavs for 81% off your three-year plan. It's a really cool piece of software. I used it last night trying to get League Pass up and running, and uh, they thought I was in Brazil. So it works. <laughs> it's pretty neat. You can kind of collect this, or you can uh, kind of choose what server you're on, in fact. So visit nordvpn.com slash mavs for 81% off your three-year plan today and get an extra four months off. <laughs> Welcome back to another session of Sports Sesh. I'm Guy Young, and these guys are just guys. Now, I want to just jump right into hot topics. Earliest memory of Dirk, it was probably probably a year he was playing with Steve Nash. I kept hearing somebody named Dirt, like with a T. So I was like, why is there a dude named Dirt in the league? And then I, you know, I found out he was actually pretty good, so. Via Mexico, eh? It's the four-pointer. It's Mike. It's Jake. The date is December 17th as we are just plowing straight through this NBA season and the 2019-20 Mavericks season. Uh, Sorry we missed you for a couple weeks. Hope you enjoyed last week or whenever it was with the great follow-up. Love having that dude in here. We usually try to get him on the the guest-centric podcast, but we haven't had a ton of time for that either. Uh, because as interest in the team grows, our jobs get more difficult. But enough of me. Uh, Jake, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I never know if you're going to film these or not. Um, <laughs> you did dress pretty nice. Nah, you got your slacks on. Oh, I don't wear jeans anymore. Oh, you're anti-jean guy? All, you're all, not much of a jean guy. I'm dark jean guy. I have a pair of those, like black jeans, bleans, but... <laughs> I'm strictly dark jean man, unless it's on the weekends. I haven't worn jeans in two years. Wow. I still have the two pairs that, Big I, flex. that I own. I know it is, it, and it's it's a game changer. It's just they're more comfortable. I'm a chino guy. Yeah. Those uh, Banana Republic chinos? They are. High five me, bro. In fact, I need to go buy another. That's my vibe, I need to too. go buy a khaki pair. 
because um, the only ones I khakis. have from them are kind of well, they're just khaki chinos, so they're not well, like you're a skinny guy, so you can wear khakis. Yeah, that's true. Fat guys can't wear khakis. It looks that's weird. That's true. And the last two pair that I had, um, I don't, I really don't think. I think my waistline has been statically kind of like fat for a couple years now, because <laughs> um, I just don't eat right. But the other thing that I I do is. I almost never miss like squat or lunge day, mm. and I just I, I, my butt just popped out of my chinos and <laughs> ruined them. And just a shelf back there, yeah. Just, just set something on top of so it. So those are gone. Um, but really, two things about not knowing if you were filming it. The first one is I was going to go back and look at the last couple that we did that you filmed it to make sure I hadn't already worn this shirt. <laughs> okay. And in fact, I brought you know, a wardrobe backup. guy. I brought a backup shirt for the car. Oh, let's see this and backup shirt. It's a white shirt. version of what you have of on this? right now. Yeah. Dude, if it's under 50, I'm I'm just wearing champion. Yeah. But I for, $100 sweatshirts. But then when I got here, I was like, oh, I don't care. Yeah. And then the other thing is, are you a eyebrow wax guy? No. You don't have to? You getting them brows waxed? I have to, dude. Oh, really? I have to. The first time I did it was about a year ago, and since then, like, I have to do it every time I get my hair cut, but she forgot to warm the wax up mm. the other day, so now I've just been fighting with her trying to get in there and get it done, because it doesn't really look like you need it, but you would be surprised how, like, dark mm-hmm. your eyes look when you basically just have curtains hanging over <laughs> here. <laughs> like, one, my sides will connect. The oh, sides really? of my brows will connect to my eyebrow, <laughs> and I don't feel comfortable taking a razor there. <laughs> It's not the middle. I'm not a. An, an, I'm an, just a I'm middle not an guy. AD guy, but it's under, over, in the side. And I was like, "Damn, man, is Mike gonna put me on one of them bright ass? <laughs> <laughs> just blast you with a spotlight with these brows? It just slowly zooms in on you the entire show <laughs> until it's just your eyebrows. I know you. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no camera. So there's I'm not fine. a. Or you don't think so? Oh, okay. not that you know we, of we, we, John Stossel. <laughs> We've got you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what are you doing? How old did she say she was? <laughs> Hidden camera? Yeah. Um, take a seat. I got the transcripts. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just middle brow guy. Maybe once a month, I got to just take a little razor to it. That used to be what it was for me, and then uh, Kristen got tired of me getting really upset when she would do it. I'd fuss. You just <laughs> like, steal her razors? Because, I mean, I don't use I haven't used, a, like, a real razor in no, no. five years. No, I use a, uh, I use the, the pluckers. Oh, wow. Yeah, you got to. That hurts. It does hurt, but... The point is, no need for night. Oh, and the other thing I was going to say is, uh, I know you and I were both really upset when the schedule came out that the Mavericks weren't playing on Christmas. Yeah. Now I'm okay with it. I love Christmas games because I don't, you know, I don't really do a lot of stuff with, like, extended family anymore. So the people that I'm with, I would be very happy if they were forced to sit down and watch the Mavs on national TV. And now I'm kind of glad they're not playing. <laughs> I'm very glad because that would mean flying out Christmas Eve. Yeah. That would be being in, I don't know, whoever they thought was going to be a good team in the beginning of the season, o- OKC. I don't know. Where would we be on? And I'm just thinking about the trip that's right after that that is already such an inconvenience of flying out like midday the 26th and being gone till literally New Year's Day. And I'm just adding another game in the front of that, and I would lose my mind. You would yeah. Not, I probably wouldn't make it back. I just – I wouldn't – it would suck if they got a national television Christmas Day game and Luca wasn't playing. Oh yeah, dude. Um, but that'd be rough. Uh, no, nobody thought Oklahoma City was going to be good enough to play 
Christmas on Christmas Day. Day, but they definitely did whenever they picked Rockets Warriors. Yeah, that's a big bummer. Because that game is on Christmas Day. Yeah, that's and tough, that's, man. It's the premier slot too. Well, I, that that leads into the the TV ratings thing that everyone has been just constantly like sky is falling and it's like no man all your national tv games are with the warriors who are gonna have the first pick and win about 15 games this year it's not that hard to add up dude they have so many more yeah the the, warriors have so many more national tv games they were so good the league was basically built around them and their success and people wanting to watch them and then they just flatline like i've never seen a team flatline before and it's not that hard to understand like people are like oh how's this gonna shape the next tv deal What's uh, what are regional sports networks going to do? Is ESPN going to offer the same amount of money? And I'm like, yeah, the Warriors are going to be awesome again next year because they're going to have the first overall pick, most likely. The three guys are probably keeping, depending on what happens with D'Angelo Russell, and it'll be fine again. People will kill themselves to watch Warriors v Clippers, Warriors v Lakers, Lakers v Clippers, and California is going to be insane for the next three to five years. And we're just trying to force our way into that mix right now. Yeah, I don't get too concerned about the ratings stuff or even really spend that much time reading or thinking about it. Um, I know it does have an effect at the team level because of the cap and BRI and everything. But, I mean, mean, there was 18 months of hemming and hawing about the NFL losing uh, all of its viewership. And then Cowboys-Patriots was like the highest, like the most viewed football game of the last 15 years. It's two legacy franchises, but... I'll tell you from my reporting on the ground regarding uh, who really drives a lot of this stuff, which is kids. Yeah. And when you have a child, even if your child is under one year of age. She's demanding like you change it from the Warriors game. Yeah, exactly. She's like, get this out of here. (laughs) Who's trash, Dad? Who is Eric Paschal? He might stick around, actually. Pascal will be fine. Yeah, I that was, was, was going to say, if I just we couldn't a, think of yeah, Ty Bowman quick if enough. If we had a survivor-type <laughs> island, he might be the one who makes it out of this. Oh, yeah, he'll be the like, ninth man next year. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's that if you if you go to a kid birthday party, even if your kid has no – like, she can't get on – the trampoline park is phenomenal, by the way. I'm a big fan. Jumper is not nice yet? Well, I mean, it's just <laughs> – it's, it's pointless for her to be there. Bad father. But – uh. <laughs> You have to go to all of them once you have a kid. Like, you have to go to your friends' kids' birthdays, even if they're, like, three. Yeah. I say all this to say a that to a couple drunk. years ago, that was nothing but Steph jerseys. Oh, yeah, for and sure. And I saw probably five yeah. Luca jerseys and Hell T-shirts yeah. on kids ages eight and under. Hell, yeah. In the uh, Tarrant County area air trampoline park or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, we laugh, but... That is a big part of what drives interest. Oh, no doubt. Is what junior high and, and maybe high school kids are into. and Well, that's the mobilization from watching it at home all the time to actually getting to the game, right? right. If your kid wants to go to the game, like they're not going to shut up about it. Right. They're going to get that Ninja Turtle toy eventually if yep. they want it. And they're going to go to a game eventually if they want it. And then you take them there for two quarters and they're asleep or throwing a fit. And then eventually they become huge Mavs fans. Yeah. That's, that's kind of how it works. I'm sure that's how it worked for me. Like, I wouldn't shut up about NBA basketball and going to games. And then we got uh, got Dirk and when I was, like, 13. And that's all I ever wanted to do was go watch Dirk. Like, mom and dad, make enough money to get season tickets. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Just get me out there in them seats. Imagine how cool it would be if you were, like, a, a nascent, just up-and-coming basketball fan at the age of 12 or 13 oh in, my this, God. in this city right now. Yeah. You're only going to know Luca for the next... I don't know, until you 
get out of entry level jobs. Yeah. Age. So he'll still be here whenever you're still buried underneath Sally May. <laughs> <laughs> Sad but true. Um, yeah. So uh, light tease forward. Um, January 24th, Jake and I will be doing the morning show, the muser shift, as it is known, uh, that takes years off of your life over at the ticket. 1310 KTCK. The the ticket will be the doing Sports Day app. Yeah, Sports Day app, if you will. Uh, Five thirty to ten a.m. Christmas Eve, which is the twenty fourth. So exactly a week from now. Yeah, yeah, a week from now. I'll be getting up at four in the a.m. to go broadcast with him, and I know nothing about anything except Mavericks basketball right now. So it'll get real interesting. Um, but yeah, if you want to check that out, we'll be there. Uh, if you want to host some segs. <laughs> Go ahead and shoot us, tape. shoot us some DMs, perhaps, on Twitter. But, uh, yeah, what we want to get to today is uh, I'll give you a light review of the Mexico City trip because it was really, really cool. Um, some new expectations we have for the team. Um, three things I believe in and three things I don't. Uh, and then we'll look at, now that the expectations are a little bit different, Do you? does that mean the roster needs to shift at all? Um, but uh, I guess, first of all, Mexico City was freaking crazy. Um the game itself, once we got to the arena, was spectacular. Uh, the people there were just so into it. Uh, and that arena is pretty cool, actually. Um, it looked wild on television. Yeah, it, it was very... a tough place to shoot in. Yeah, it was... I mean, it's very cavernous. Like, yeah. they are very far away from the court. Its ceilings are very high, which makes for some cool cool video opportunities because it just you get a look that you don't get anywhere else. But, uh, I mean, it, it was hype. It was extremely lit. Um if Luca didn't do the pregame speech and just nail it, besides uh, "Como estáis," uh, which is the Spanish way of saying "What's up," um, vosotros. Yeah, he went a little vosotros on us, which you know, whatever. He lived in Spain his entire uh, teenage life, so I can't hate him for that. But uh, the fact that he went out there and—I mean, he's a reserved guy, um, or maybe he's just over media questions—the uh, same ones every night at his locker here. Um, but I see the dude every once in a while on the road and around certain people and around the team and whenever cameras aren't pointed three inches away from his face. And he's like a funny, fun dude. He's a 20-year-old. Right. The 20-year-old that really loves what he's doing, is in a great spot, and has a little bit of charisma to him. And he rarely shows that, except, his, except on the court. When he starts, like, jawing at himself after he thinks he got fouled and still made it, like, you see a little bit of that. Right. Uh, but that intro <laughs> in Mexico City, I was like, that's the dude I get to see every once in a while. Yeah. Like, he's funny. He's goofy. He's got a big smile. He's just trying to make himself laugh, like, most of the time. And uh, the Via, Via Mexico way, um, which, I don't know, I've had about 10 different conversations with 10 different people that had uh, different opinions about what way means. And to me, it's always meant, like, yeah, stupid. Like, it's always kind of like that. And maybe that's from working in restaurants. Or high school. Yeah, or high school. Uh, you just say way is, like, every other word. Like, it's, like... It's, it's to me whenever uh, Mero on Jesus and Mero says stupid, I'm like, yeah. that's way. Yeah. That's way to me. And he said, via, you know, uh, whatever, you know, li- throw in there for what that means, but, you know, long live or go Mexico, stupid. Uh, and the people just went insane. Like, they were so loud. And I get to sit basically baseline underneath the basket, which was an experience in itself. You rarely get to wow. be down there. Staples, you get to do that, which is pretty choice. But in that arena, uh, it was it was a moment. It was it wasn't quite you know Dirk's last game. Like look around and like holy crap, I'm doing something cool right now. 
Uh, but it was like, these people love him. They already loved him. And then they're like, oh, yeah, you get it. You get it. Like, you're not from here, but you get our entire thing. That's crazy to me that he's already got that sort of appeal. Yeah, dude, he is. I mean, he's probably going to have the number one jersey this year, I would assume. Um, I don't think that's insane. Uh, if he gets to the point where he can um, handle and leg wrestle the media a little bit better, like KP does. Right. Where KP's like, you know what, I'm going to say what I want to say, and it's not like in a bad attitude or anything, but I'm going to talk about the stuff I want to talk about. I'm going to use this platform. If he gets any of that, like he might be the most marketable <laughs> player that we've seen in a very long time, like Steph level. He's got um, two dogs. Yeah, got two dogs, got a supermodel uh, girlfriend. Uh, his mom is in the spotlight. She's very sweet, very nice lady, and just a well-intentioned, extremely talented basketball player that has no, no blemishes on him right now. I kind of thought the second dog should have got its own account. Rather than you think so? It doesn't have one. one yet? Oh, they just share it now? Yeah. Well, for about um, two weeks there, we were definitely thinking that was a child on the way. <laughs> And I was like, dude, you're 20. Just wait. There's plenty of time for that. Yeah, I think Hugo's having to share. Oh, man. You'll just wait till they have a kid. Then Hugo's going to be like, what am I even doing here? Should I run away? Like, they don't care about me. You have no idea how true that is. <laughs> should, I, should I babysit your dog like for a weekend just to make sure it knows it's still loved? Someone should. <laughs> Somebody needs to. But uh, I thought Blake played that perfectly, too. He did, and he won't get as much credit, but uh, Blake's funny to begin with. Yeah. I think Blake's a pretty funny dude, um, outside of trying to break KP's wrist one time on one of those fouls. I was on that end whenever that action was coming, uh, I guess, third and fourth quarter. Uh, so I, the oop was right in front of me. The oop that'll live on for, hopefully, burn pretty bright for a while. And i looking at my computer, look up, and I go, oh my god, he's coming to the lane, and Oh, there's a pterodactyl flying left to right in, um, in front of me. And I'm like, oh, my God, they did the dunk. <laughs> it's pretty sweet. That was, that was a moment. But uh, Mexico is incredible. Um, they're going to G League team uh, pretty soon, which I assume is just like a conglomerate of a team that already exists down there. I didn't read the whole thing, but that'll be cool. And a cool trip, despite the fact that it takes six hours to get there and six hours back for a place that's two hours away. Traffic. Traffic, uh, customs, when you have seven foreign players, uh, they really like to hold you up um, at the border. So interesting trip, but the game was one of my favorites that I've attended um, as an employee here. It doesn't top Dirk's last game. It doesn't top Hallelujah, but it's definitely top five uh, in games that I've been privy to have a front row seat to. So a little review from Mexico City. I don't know uh, how many people got to experience that or will ever get to experience that. And we have an episode of... Um, Sounds from the baseline from there coming out pretty soon, so you can kind of nice. Those are great. Get a firsthand uh, look at that. Are we going to get any more episodes of uh, Maxie's talk show? <laughs> Straight to the cup. Straight to the cup. Yeah, he wants to. He wants to take uh, Boban to a ramen place pretty soon. Um, so we're trying to add that up. I mean, Maxie's the most like down to earth dude on the team. I mean, maybe maybe Jalen's more than him, but. Uh, He's perfect for that. Yeah. <laughs> like everybody likes him. It was classic. He's he's smiley, he's he's a funny dude, and he just doesn't think he's above anything. So I definitely want a maxi late late night talk show. <laughs> he's just kind of banging the, <laughs> yeah. the index cards on the yeah, table. Yeah, All yeah. right, yeah. next, next up. guest. Next guest. I uh, got a new album coming out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> check it out. Uh yeah, that'd be great. We need to do more things like that with with Max, the great Maximilian. 
Um, I think Raman with Boban is the next the next move, um, and taking Boban to the smallest Raman place you can possibly find, I think is going to be the fun part. But um, I don't know. I kind of expected to beat the Pistons in that game. Um, I did not expect to win last night's game against the Bucks. Uh, so I don't want to walk into a place where we're having two different conversations of um, how do you feel about last night? And then also, okay, where's your expectation? What, what, where are you now? Now that we're <laughs> sustainably third seed in the West, um, the maturation of a tier one superstar is, I mean, it's just a thing now. It's not every other game. It's not, you know, once a week like it was last year. It's every game he has a plan in front of him in which he's cracked the code for offensive basketball in the NBA. And I feel like other teams have to play perfect for 48 minutes to beat us. You better also hope that some of the more high-variance guys like Hardaway Jr. or Curry or even to an extent Finney Smith don't hit too because if you play perfect but so does he and one of those other dudes shows up, it doesn't matter. You've got to have him off his game. You've got to be perfect. And there's not that many. And then you've got to be able to neutralize the supporting cast and like the list of teams that can do that consistently are pretty much both L.A. teams and that's it. Yeah. And I don't even know if the Lakers can do it or if they can just outscore you. They cannot. That is the thing. They can probably just outscore you. And you just got to hope that if you're a Lakers fan in some sort of seven game series with the Mavericks, if that ever came to fruition, that they would, that you don't have. Well, okay, I'll say this. I don't think you're ever going to have too many nights where both Hardaway Jr. and Curry are hitting. Yeah, that's rarely happened. But I don't think there's going to be too many going forward where neither of them are. I, I mean, would, it's gonna so. it's gonna happen, but I and I think Hardaway Jr. will be way more affected by Luca being out than Curry. I think Curry can. I was so surprised that he started as slow as he did this year, but mm-hmm. it was such a small sample that I just kept writing and saying everywhere I could, like, dude, this is the outlier. This is not like he he's put together four years of high volume shooting, like eighteen games or twenty games. That's he didn't forget how to shoot. So I wasn't necessarily worried. I was surprised. Um, and he maybe he'll go through ruts like that again. But, dude, he can get his shot any way he wants it. Right. Whereas, Tim, Tim takes a little setup, right? Tim's kind of like set up Dwight together. to me. Yeah. Whereas if you have somebody that can set the plate for him, right. they're incredible. Right. So uh, if one of those dudes gets, gets theirs in a night, and then I think the biggest talking point for both expectations and biggest question is, is there a way to have close to the version of KP you saw last night in games where Luca is still playing 35 minutes? Yeah, And sure. given the way that I think through the first, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 games, they were playing a smaller share of their minutes together. And it kind of looked cool because you would have Porzingis on the bench, or not on the bench, but playing with the second unit. And then over the last you know, 15 or whatever. It was like they were on the floor. It was 90% of their minutes, 95% of their minutes. I don't know what the best way is. It seems like their preferred method is to figure out how they can play together and get that, you know, fully in battle mode before they decide they want to split them up a little bit. So on one hand, maybe this little run here will be good for Porzingis confidence-wise, but 
it's not really good for him and the team as far as figuring out what the best way ahead for the two of them together is. Right. It doesn't really do you anything on that front. Yeah. Other than make him feel more confident to be able to stare down Andre Drummond and dunk over Giannis on a putback and then drill two 30-footers. I mean, certainly that helps, but I wouldn't be surprised if he does this for like five or six games and then Luka comes back and he has some level of drop-off. Like, that's just the way it's yeah. going to be. Yeah. I mean, that happens with any of the top five to ten offensive engines in the league. Sit down for a minute, you know? Yeah. Um, because, I mean, I don't think – it's fun to look at the numbers that come out of games and the results and – okay, he's doing this, his PER is this. But whenever you're one of the four other dudes that are running around out there, I don't think you, unless you're one of the four other dudes that are running around out there with him on a nightly basis, I don't think you can quite understand how much burden is on his shoulders. Yeah. It's creating the looks, it's getting the shots off, and it's getting other people involved. Getting rebounds. Getting rebounds. Um, The only thing he's not doing consistently is like pushing the pace, which – you you got to choose four of the five things. You can't do all five. There's like one person ever that's ever done that. Um, and, I mean, you just look at last night's example of, of Giannis, right? He is the offensive engine. He pushes the pace. He gets rebounds. He plays defense. But he doesn't set other people up. He doesn't shoot. Most nights he'll, you know, he's got a nice one for five from three uh, coming at you. So there's no perfect player. But – for someone to have such a huge hand in what has been a perfect offense and to pull that thing out is it's going to be a little clunky whenever he comes back because you're going to, I mean, Jalen had 11 assists last night. I don't know how many more games I'd expect Jalen to have 11 assists. So everybody's trying to do their little trick of, I'm going to do this one thing that Luca was doing, which is a completely different formula. Seth is going to make the threes. He's going to create the points. I assume Tim maybe next game is the guy that scores. KP might be a 25-point-per-game guy. I bet for he the next be. For the next five. Um, but it's it takes so many guys to fill in that burden, that giant crater that's there, that it's going to take some reconfiguring, especially for KP, whenever Luka gets back. But they can do it. Yeah. And I don't know, dude. I would bet that uh, maybe not 11 for JB, but – I mean, <laughs> dude, I mean, he's still going to be able to throw lobs to Powell. Yeah. You have to figure if, if Porzingis ends up scoring 25 a night, a lot of those are going to be assisted, and a lot of them are going to be from him. So I wouldn't be surprised if Brunson averages like eight and a half, nine. I just think there's going to be games where he can't play that many minutes because he can't defend the other team's point guard. That could be a problem. Against Milwaukee, George Hill, whatever. I mean, if Bledsoe was in there, that might have been a real issue. Um and you might have needed more DeLon uh, if Bledsoe was running around there. But, you know, I think I think it's a good opportunity for JB, um, obviously, to start being the captain of the, uh, the best offense in basketball. That's probably good for anybody, a very generic statement. But he's going to have a couple moments pretty soon because the Bucks game and uh, the Heat game, he put himself in position to win those games for us. And the Heat game, he got fouled. and just didn't get called. I think twice. Uh, once against Jimmy Butler, where Jimmy Butler just, like, I don't know, ripped his clothes off when he was driving to the hole. And then someone landed on him and he, while he was shooting. And 
it was like, well, you're Jalen Brunson. You're not getting that call yet. Yep. And then last night, I feel like he had a couple moments. But that dude knows how to play. He knows how to play in crunch time. He knows how to get the shot he's looking for. Um, and eventually, maybe next game, they're going to be late in the game, and Jalen's going to deliver huge. Um, so I, I have all the faith in the world in him. It's just getting him back to that confidence level uh, of last year, of Villanova, Jalen. Um, so I, I expect he's going to be fine. The only thing I worry about is mismatches whenever you need more DeLon. Well, particularly if you – I mean, I, I did a Hardaway piece a couple of weeks ago, and obviously a huge part of it was playing with Luka. The fact that his his shooting percentage or particularly catch and shooting from three from his bench games to the first six games as starter were absurd. Is it even – is it Luka – assisting him or is it Luca creating the the plate that gets Tim the shots uh you know what I mean like Luca will kick yeah. corner and the next swings back yeah. up to him I think I, I just eyeballs I think I've seen more of that I would say that it it's probably somewhat of both because his percentage on actually received passes from Luca was pretty high too mm. but I don't know how long you can go I mean he's had what in a comeback effort against Against Miami, he went, you know, 6 of 14 from three. And mm-hmm. then he had the 9 of 12 night uh, trying to pull that game out against Sacramento. But, I mean, we're back to he's down near 30% from three over the last, you know, 10 games or whatever. Right. So he's, he's been or eight games. So. Extremely up and down. I don't know. I mean, it's a tough situation because I feel like they're committed to him as a starter. And I think he's his best chance to be – good is as a as a starter but man i i feel like i'm gonna go back and forth on wanting to give seth more of a look as a starter all year maybe it's not necessarily starter but it's minutes distribution but i would rather go with delon if i'm going with seth yeah then like i don't think i can play seth and brunson together as starters like oh uh, no so those might be related moves mm-hmm uh, and I know they haven't had DeLon start much at all since the start of the year, if at all, right? I think once. But No, no, he didn't start at all. Since yeah. not one game? Yeah, I don't think so. So, yeah, it's a, that's, a, that's the puzzle piece. And it's crazy that they still have all these things that were kind of like, I wonder what they'll do here, I wonder what they'll do here. And mm-hmm. the difference between the Mavericks' offensive rating this year and second in history is the same between the difference in second in history and 25th. <laughs> That is the goal. <laughs> they are so far and away number one in history, pace adjusted, that you have to get to 25 before you can make up the difference. And we're sitting here talking about, like, I don't know, can we? Can they ride out Tim Hardaway yeah, Jr. I mean, shooting? Or? I don't think they've played as well as they could play. Right. That's the thing. Right. That's why I'm like – that's why I think being the top five team in the West is sustainable right now. Now the defense might come and go, and people start might they might knock down their open threes a little bit more often, and then we're in tighter games or, or trailing, and you just start fighting the math. But uh, it's I, that's not going away. I mean, what are we twenty six games in? Twenty six games in, and that's more than a quarter of the season. And you've proven that you can be by far the best offense. And I don't feel like Dwight's played that well consistently. I feel like. Uh, at least offensively, uh, Tim is either a five point a night guy or a twenty five points, and then Seth 
there have been two really big Seth games of 26-plus points against New Orleans and then last night against Milwaukee, but the rest of it, I'm like, you know, I haven't seen him go insane. So I think they can be better. Yeah, if you break Seth's season down by when he missed those two games, 36% on 3.8 attempts before and then 46% on four and a half cents. Mm -hmm. And honestly – I think he's closer to the latter than he's it's probably somewhere in between. Yeah. But I think it's closer to the latter than it is the former. Like I think he yeah. can shoot forty one percent on four attempts a game. Oh yeah, he went crazy in, he went crazy in Mexico City too. I forgot and about so that. So if you do that, you're probably scoring twelve points a game. Yeah. And I also think the other thing about that, when it's him or Tim, and I guess really you should be having the conversation about not in the short term about whether you'd go DeLon and Seth or J B and Hardaway, it would be more who would you prefer with Luca? Yeah. And I just I love I think Seth is underrated as a secondary type guy mm-hmm. that can you know facilitate weak side whatever. Yeah, you saw it last night, dude. The ball just never died last night. Mm-hmm. And he was a big part of it. Yeah. So yeah. Who knows? That's that's a good debate, I think, cuz Seth can definitely make something out of nothing and make people just collapse defenses a lot of times on his own. But Tim is such a pace guy mm-hmm. and such like just a trigger man, right? And sometimes you need that next to the guy that spent nine seconds setting up the defensive collapse next to Luca. Um, so I think I think it's working fine right now, and I you know I don't think there's any reason to move it because both are actually working pretty well, at least offensively. Um, when you get later in the season and you start thinking about playoffs and how this thing shakes out, we can regroup come to the table and have another conversation about, okay, which guy do we need for this series? Who matches up better? But, I mean, right now they are second in basketball in spot-up attempts at 1.081. On points, are, points per possession. Yeah, points per possession. They are first in pick-and-roll ball handler. Points oh, per yeah, possession. That's his Luca. Yeah. Um, so... If I could pick two things to be pretty good at, <laughs> I would be like, I want my uh, primary ball handler to be lethal in the pick and roll. And I've, you know, one, number one in the league is just cake. And then I would like my guys to be knocking down spot up looks. That's exactly what they're doing. They're not making it more complicated than that. Um, and I don't even feel like pick and roll dive man has played that well. Like, I don't feel like, I mean, they're 13th in pick and roll roll man. And a lot of that is. That's almost like a luxury. Yeah. Um, that you can have Dwight Powell pick people apart if they're gonna, you know, try and trap Luca up high, um, closer to the elbow or three point line when he gets moving downhill. There and were a couple of plays. Uh, I want to say in last Saturday's game, the day game, where that was the first time I'd ever seen two times in one game where they used Porzingis as a roller. Yeah. I think that might have been. It doesn't matter. They're all running together for me now. But I think they've you've seen it a little bit more in maybe the four games before Luca went out with an injury. And then sometimes they do you know they'd run like the side pick and roll, mm-hmm. and Luca would work back to the middle of the floor. And then now you have Porzingis spotting up near baseline. But so it's not necessarily that's not necessarily a roll, but it is like it's not a pop. Yeah. And I thought you know you've seen them do a little bit more of that. You've seen them have smalls screen for Luca, mm-hmm. which turns into a problem. Like yep. I don't think that they've shown everybody everything yet. Right. 
And that's pretty terrifying. Yeah. I mean, every, you know, once a week they'll add a new little wrinkle. Um, and whenever Luca got hurt against the Heat, um, they were running, I, don't, I call it drag. I don't know what they call it. But uh, it's where the two guys are basically on the each elbow, two bigs. And, you know, you bring the ball across and you assume your man gets lost. And then one of the guys screens away. And it's just kind of like stretching the defense left and right. That's what you're doing in different complicated ways with double screens. Um, and they started running some wrinkles off that that I hadn't seen the entire year. And then they st- basically stole what people are calling the Lakers LeBron AD play, where he'll be, you know, if you're facing the basket, left elbow. He won't bring the ball up. He'll catch it on the elbow. And then whoever just passed it to him will go down screen for KP, and he just kind of curls to the basket. Yeah. It's been very effective. Um, but I feel like they got a ton more tricks. I feel like last night was entirely flow. <laughs> it was almost entirely flow offense. And a lot of times they'll just do that for quarters at a time. And it works because the guys just – they're that skilled offensively. And so that I, that's the thing to me about them that I, I really, really like is that they do have a lot of high-level skill. Obviously starts with Luca. Porzingis is an extremely, extremely skilled offensive player, but then on down to Seth – I would say at this point, in their own way, I would call Maxie and Dwight both yeah. <laughs> really skilled offensive players. But the other thing is, and we can use this to get into defense talk a little bit, uh, this is uh, like mid-late 90s Mavericks uh, marketing that <laughs> is re- possibly regrettable in hindsight because um, it's like vintage now. They're a team that is super gritty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But they also play a very pretty game. Right. Like, they have a, like, weird combo of, like, gritty and pretty that they will fight. They set, I think, probably either more or top two or three. I haven't looked in a couple weeks in screens per possession. Yeah. And that's adding in the fact that at the end of the quarter, which most teams are like this, nothing is happening except for one on-ball screen. Mm -hmm. So, people compare them, Luka, to Harden all the time and – because they run just as much pick and roll. They take a lot of the same type of shots. But what happens around Luka is totally different than what happens around Harden. They don't yeah. screen much for him at all. No. They're looking to spot up when it's people leave out. their man. Yeah, they're it's clearing clear out, out and basically. hoping that he sucks uh, the defense away. The Mavericks don't stop running. Yeah. Like, they're whether it's – it doesn't really matter who it is. They're running the whole time. So they have guys that are skilled but also – some of those the same guys and the guys who are less skilled are also like really busting their ass. Mm-hmm. And it not only helps on offense, but obviously helps on defense. And the combination of being high effort, but also being long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's just been a long time since you've seen like they have like a little bit of like, you know, like they'll fight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like oh, they're, sure. you know, they're willing to go to the ground. I mean, obviously pals on the ground all the time, sometimes yeah. for better, sometimes <laughs> for worse. But right. Whether it's Kleber, whether it's Dodo. Delon, whether it's Dodo, like Delon had a couple steals last night that were yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think the fact that they have the number one offense in ever might somewhat make people forget that they have some dogs on well, this team. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing I talked about follow up last week was um, okay, raising a superstar and having a guy that is one of the top five offensive engines in basketball this year and maybe I don't know. We'll see if it's ever. Um, is great. Some teams have had that. Uh, Houston is an example. 
an obvious one, but there are other dudes that have existed that are just the entire offense is this guy. What's going to make this a difference between an okay team that's fun to watch and something more, which they have been through 26 games, is something more is those dudes that I don't even know how to describe what they do game to game, but it's they, they set the tempo or they set the mood. They set the effort level. They establish the defensive presence. They establish that you're not getting rebounds tonight. Sorry. And that is Maxi, Dwight, Dodo, and DeLon to a certain point. I know he's new, but I feel like he's fitting in. He's one of those four dudes that that's like, that's the rue of what you're making, right? That's the rock. And then you have, and to have that and have that all connect perfectly to Luca is so incredibly difficult. I don't think people understand like how difficult that is to have guys, four dudes that aren't, they're supremely talented in their own ways, but aren't, you know, uh, offensive engines or just aren't incredibly spectacular two-way players. They all kind of have their little things. But those dudes are all effort guys. That's coaching. Yeah, and they, they set the tone. I swear to God, you go over there right now if they're practicing and not having media availability, <laughs> which happens a lot of the time. Uh, Maxie's being a maniac. Yeah. Dwight's being a maniac. Dodo is annoying the hell out of somebody. And that's your rock. And the difference between us and teams like Houston is Houston has one. They have P.J. Tucker. Yeah. He's the dude that makes you get in there early in the morning and plays as hard as he can all the time and sets the defensive uh, mentality from night to night. And it hasn't, it hasn't dropped this year. Like, I haven't been in a game and been like, man, they're just getting whooped. They just aren't in it. They aren't playing hard. There's been like one or two times that it's happened, and I feel like they corrected it. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I think coaching is a big part of it. Um, I think keeping your guys together is a big part of it too. For sure. I think, uh, and look, I mean, Dwight is always going to have his somewhat issues on rebounding and defense. I don't really think that they're effort related. I mean, last night he had a couple of unfortunate box outs or lack thereofs, the West one in particular, but uh, he did enough, he does enough other good things to where, I mean, in fact, that might've been a situation where you might've wanted to see Boban out there, but. Either way, that was a weird end of that game. <laughs> yeah, that game, dude. That was—I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, like I that didn't w- even recognize it because I—I uh, I usually start the games about half an hour late now, mm-hmm. um, and I was like kind of just blowing through the commercials. But this morning, Sean Bass told me that it was like a fifty-minute quarter. Yeah, like yeah, 50, I believe it. minutes. I'm like, really, like, dude? That I final, guess it that made final sense, two minutes. If you're skipping the commercials. You're like, uh, yeah, and sometimes even skipping like a word from our whatever during yeah. a free throw. Right. So I guess I just kind of lost track of it, but he said, yeah, that it pushed 50 minutes. And a lot of that was, dude, I mean, Giannis didn't even come back into the game until what? 90. 20 seconds. Yeah. I mean, he was 18 seconds, something like that. I've never seen a team get that many possessions in the final, like two minutes. So yeah. we, we were up 11, Yeah, 11. And they tried to make us blink by, I'm going to make you make, you know, 10 of the next 14 free throws to beat us. Cause Giannis, I mean, what it looked like to me is like you're, you're a JV on the football team and they're doing Oklahoma drill. <laughs> and just the guy's going to come at you as hard as he can. What are you going to do about it? Right. What are you going to do about it? And you're, you're, doing, you're doing Oklahoma drill against, against varsity, against dudes that are four years older than you. And they are just going to truck stick you. You just have to hold your ground. <laughs> yeah, you just got to – one time, one time. 
and it's like make it take it right <laughs> and they get to run the they get to be on offense every time if they keep scoring and Giannis just put his head down and was going to the basket and Maxi did all he could he's just holding on to a bull that's just like yeah. <laughs> but yeah I think if I think keeping the core together uh and that you know it's almost like it's not that different from what they've had during the years where it kind of felt like they were wandering a little bit mm-hmm. they had a lot of good role players right although not all of them were signed up for multiple uh, multiple years which I do think matters for sure they had a lot of role players it's just that they were asking all of them to play like two to three spots above where you might like them to play Mm -hmm. and now we thought going into the year maybe you'd still be asking them all to play like one spot and it's really more like half a spot and on Mm -hmm. some nights you can't even tell right i mean obviously you will look at the bucks and you're like man if there's a way the mavericks could have somehow wrestled chris middleton away from milwaukee this summer which was never going to happen because he's Giannis's best friend on the team and they're doing everything they can to keep him there like if he were here, would I rather have him here than some combinations of some of the, the Mavericks? Yes. But I think we're seeing that that doesn't mean that if you're three through eight, on balance is better than most teams three through eights, there's going to be nights. You have more guys available to be the option to be the third best player than most other teams. Mm-hmm. Their third best player may be their third best player every night. Yeah. But on nights that they're not, you don't ha- they don't have another guy. A lot of teams don't have another guy to stand up. Right. It kind of reminds me of Toronto last year a little yeah. bit. Yeah, oh, for sure. And, you know, it's, it's crazy to even think about going forward, you know, because it's only a year and a half in and you're thinking like, man, it sucks. Brunson wasn't getting to play a ton at the start of the year, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Dude, go back and look at Fred Van Vliet's, like, career path. Yeah, that's a And I know a that's a comp that gets thrown around a lot. I could easily still see that happening with Brunson. Yeah. I easily. Mean, I, I think he's got a whole other level of potential. Um, once he gets fully comfortable and adds a couple tricks to his bag and maybe fills out a little bit more. And maybe it means that you know, you're not worrying about any minutes for JJ. Maybe, right. maybe somewhere yeah. down the line you're not worrying about any minutes for Tim. For sure. Who knows what will happen. But yeah. still, like... Dude, I think Brunson has like a whole other jar of athletic ability that hasn't been tapped into i mean he's filling out a little bit he filled out a little bit this summer but i think he's got size and explosiveness that he hasn't gotten into yet i that's just i don't know if it was style of play or if you know some people just develop athletically slower and obviously he's good enough to be like national player of the year and things like that but i did i think that dude could get like super ripped and big and be stronger than hell and be like kyle lowry annoying um but the the identity right now, the box score identity and offensive identity is obvious. That's Luca. But what's going to make us and what's sustainable to me is things, is that development that you can't fake, that you can't just gin up. It's Miami Heat, what they do, and finding their eighth or ninth guy could be their third best player next yeah. year. Uh, Toronto did the same thing last year where Norman Powell turns into a finals contributor. And this year, OG Ananobi is balling his ass off. And just Siakam is the perfect example of a dude that came from nowhere. And it's a serious look at development and not just from can you make jumpers standpoint. Right. I mean, because everybody knows that. Everybody knows you need to be able to shoot to play. 
Like, that's obvious. Okay, are you going to focus on this thing? Are you going to spend all your time doing this thing? Or are you going to develop dudes that bring a culture that play hard as hell because they have to, because they've had to their entire career? And those dudes, if we can have this little uh, Mavs University of dudes that are exactly like Dodo, exactly like Maxi, Dwight, DeLon, Jalen, dudes that weren't picked high, dudes that know they have to play this way to stay in the league. Most teams can't fake that. Like, that's the difference between the lower teams and the wet. Like, I watch the Suns, and I'm like, y'all don't have that. No. You just don't have that. You don't have that culture. You don't have consistency amongst your role players, and you're not developing guys. No one is the 10th best player on that team on that bench and jumps into the starting five the next year. Right. But that's or, what even, we done. or even a month later. Yeah, that's you know, what we've done with Dodo. Yeah, and I think all that's nice, <laughs> and you certainly like to have it, and it's hard to acquire, but it doesn't really matter unless you have a dude who can <laughs> – you know, it doesn't have to be an MVP candidate. I mean, I would even say the Raptors have a pretty good shot this year, and it's not like Siakam's an MVP candidate, but he's probably their best player now. Um, he'll, the, he'll get votes. He'll get think? some votes, I think. Or at least top three votes. Yeah, someone will vote. But like there. a better example is last year mm-hmm. when they had all those guys. Yeah. And oh, then yeah. they had Kawhi. <laughs> yeah. Well, that. So it's yeah. like I like having Worker B. That's, that sounds insulting. Who can jump up and play any role if I need to take my bench mob for extended periods of the game, if I need whatever. Mm-hmm. If you can get those guys and then the guy then you don't really need three guys. Right, yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of the, the trap we probably fell into a little bit this summer. Now, it certainly helps if your second guy – and let's spend a quick second on that before mm-hmm. we knock out your list. Sure. I, you know, I feel like I was kind of fighting a little bit of an uphill battle because I was – I want the KP thing to work so bad that mm-hmm. I kind of th- – I felt like I was just over and over saying – be patient, be patient, be patient. But it wasn't because I was trying to like wilf- willfully be ignorant. It was because I legit thought at the start of the year that it might take him a year to look like his fully realized version of being a Maverick. And I just, to me, out of the gate, he did not look physically rusty to me, really. He didn't look slow. He didn't look, he just looked mentally rusty. Yeah which makes total sense to me and is a lot less concerning. Like I would have been way more concerned if he was missing non back to backs or playing, you know, there's been a couple games where he obviously didn't have it and they cut him at 15 minutes, but he's playing heavy minutes. He gets up and down the floor. He gets up for dunks, rebounds, blocks, uh, contested shots. Like, to me, I would be way more worried if he physically looked like he was like morphing into Greg Oden or something <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so, if it's just finding your spots, I don't know. I don't. I don't see how. I. I. I all I would say, I guess, is that if you want to bet against that work, that that figuring itself out, go ahead. But I won't be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's easy to say on a day when he had twenty six points, but. I no, know, I man. agree. I mean. I, you know, he's posting up a lot less, 10% less than his last year in New York, so he's got to figure that out. He's catching shooting 10% more. He's basically just rearranged his entire shot diet. What do you expect? Like, it's going it's, it, to that, – that, that change will take time. And yeah. I think this, this little stretch here, as you said, might be, 
might be good if for nothing else than for seeing him seeing him to to go in. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing that I've been trying to tell people too is he he remembers how to play basketball. He's not lost out there. But he's also not up to a mental level of, you know, top 20 player in the league that he was. And I don't feel like he has any feel offensively for the in-between stuff. He can knock down, obviously, he's knocked down like two or three half-court shots at this point. He can shoot from incredibly deep range at a higher percentage than most human beings that are in the league. And I feel like he can finish because he's worked so much on his body. But it's almost like buying those war bonds that are athletic ability, your body, shooting, and hoping that at some point in the near future, the feel is going to come back to elite feel, elite understanding of where I need to be on the court, elite understanding of this is not my shot. Yeah, and I think that the the thing about that is that uh, – they need him they need his offense to be field based yeah like desperately they sure. don't need his offense to be dump it down go to work unless there's a couple times last night where he drew a small and was able to finally do a little bit of work mm-hmm. but they need his offense to come in the flow of the overall offense yeah and it's sometimes it works where he catches puts it on the floor and then you know a couple times last night he put it on the floor and passed out of it and yeah. was able to create some buckets there's a lot he can do but it has to be in the flow of everything else. Mm-hmm. Another really weird note on his synergy page is he is. Uh, let me see here. He is nineteen of thirty-three with less than four seconds left on the shot clock. That's very weird. Just re- straight rising up, not That's thinking just about being, it. Have an yeah. unguardable shot at the end yeah. of the clock. That's not feel or flow at all. No. So it's not what we're talking about. But that is that a pretty sense, weird though. trick to have whenever you can just... Hey, I'll take it. <laughs> I'm just going to shoot this over you with I mean, I bet, I absolutely guarantee you, no plan. I guarantee you Dirk had similar numbers. I'm sure, yeah. Where he's just like, you know what? Y'all really screwed up this possession. Watch this. And he just doesn't think about it, and he just knocks it down. It's the bailout. I mean, I yeah. talked about it for years with Dirk. I was like, do you know what kind of luxury it is to run a play reset run another play and then if the thing breaks down you're throwing it to a seven foot tall dude that is hitting i don't know 52 percent from that spot of the floor and you can just get it anytime he wants <laughs> anytime he wants it's pretty ridiculous that's that's such a luxury because you can run you can stretch the defense left you can stretch the defense right you can run your double pick and roll you can you know whatever you want to run you want to run drag you want to run uh i can't remember the other one rub like do whatever you want to do twice. And then if you still want to dump the ball to a 7-3 dude that can knock it down, go ahead. In 2010-2011, of the 54 players that took at least 100 short shock, uh, shot clock possessions. Careful. Dirk is number one in points <laughs> per possession. See? See? Yeah. It's, it's a luxury that you can't fake. Like, most dudes can't do that. I'm sure there are some crazy numbers of some dudes that are shorter and create their shot late in the clock. Like I'm sure Harden's is crazy. And a couple of the dudes are, it's just not jet probably had a pretty high one just the way yeah. he played, but most dudes. Yeah. You're, you're talking about LaMarcus Aldridge. Yep. <laughs> just, just being cool. Just yeah. honestly, just knowing you always have that in your bag. Yeah. I can always fade away or just put the ball as high as I can. And I'm pretty good at that shot right there. Yeah. And I think 
I think all the things that are still developing for him, I mean, players are always developing everything. <laughs> that's kind of an understanding. But a thing that's not quite up to where he would want it to be is where to get the shots from. Because every time I see him put, him up, put it on the ground, if, and it's, it's natural, yeah. right? You shredded your knee. You haven't played hardcore basketball for that many minutes uh, over the last, what, it's basically two years. That first step off of a closeout is still kind of awkward. Yeah, there's some concern yeah. mentally, I'm sure. And then he tries to fight through it, and then he gets in this space where the guy's caught up with him, probably hitting him with his body a little bit. And he's off balance, and he's the hugest human being you've ever seen trying to make this really awkward floating my feeder like this, and my shoulders aren't the right direction. I'm trying to get my elbows and shoulders aligned and touch this ball into the basket. And that hasn't gone very well, just frankly. That's why I love the cut, because it's like the decision has already been made. Yep, yep. It's like, I'm going to get here, the ball is going to get here. You see what he is whenever he's automatic. Yeah. I mean, that number... The last four seconds of a shot clock tells you when it when it's do this. Yeah, dude, he's one of the best ever. Yeah, and whenever he's on a cut and you have to either not put the ball on the ground or put it on the ground once. Once, yeah, you see what it is. And I've seen, I think uh, Nick from Locked On Mavs had those numbers a couple weeks ago. Um, just him by dribble, mm-hmm. <laughs> his yeah. two or fewer dribble numbers are. Oh yeah, his splits are <laughs> very dramatic. Yes, I don't want to give him the the maxi rule of no dribbling, but. I mean, at some point. Yeah. And I, I I think that limits his offensive potential, too, to just give him hard and fast rules. But um, maybe not guideline. now. Yeah, maybe, maybe, guideline. maybe not right now. But whenever it becomes playoff time, it's like what we're calling for you is just go. It's just you focus on making the basket once it's in your hands. Yep. Don't create the looks. You don't need to do that. There's enough people that can do that. Um and the free throw shooting isn't quite quite back for him. I think he he the four for four last night, but I think he was um, hovering at a bad number for a long time. Um, it's interesting that he's the technical shooter when Luca's out. I know. <laughs> I was that's weird. Looking around like Seth, maybe Seth, Seth? Jalen. Yeah, Justin mix, missing those two free throws last night got me very upset because I wanted that moment for him. Yeah, I was like, come on, come on, buddy, you got these, and he clanked both, and then. Uh, I was sitting there watching the final 45 minutes, which was two minutes, uh, with wife. And uh, they fouled Jalen, and I go, Jalen doesn't give an F. Yeah. I was like, these are going in. Yeah, he felt like, good about those. He's been, he's been in bigger moments than this. Like, it's, it's fine. Um, all right, so uh, if you're cool with it, we'll move, we'll move on a little bit. Um, so just looking around the league um, – and listening to, I actually had a little bit of time traveling this week, so I listened to a lot of uh, podcasts. Um, if, you're, if you're getting into basketball and you're just listening, if we're the first podcast you listen to for some reason, number one, thank you. Uh, but also, um, just my weekly intake of NBA media diet is, uh, I listen to Dunked On with Nate Duncan. Um, I listen to Sam Vecini's podcast, Game Theory podcast. Um, I'll usually throw on Zach Lowe depending on what the guest is I like Zach just talking about the NBA and not interviewing like the kid from Shameless or something or whatever those weird episodes he does I tend to skip those yeah uh I'll definitely read Woj I can't make myself listen to a Woj pod that he's hosting even though he's extremely talented and has a place in the league but um 
Yeah, that's usually it. And then I'll listen to whatever Bobby and Skin are doing because uh, I'm a company shill. But um, yeah, so if you if you really love podcasting or love listening to people talk about hoops, those are the things I usually get into um, on a weekly basis. But uh, doing that, I've kind of built some theories off teams that I've seen that we've played. And um, the first, the first, and I just wanted to kind of deliver like three things I'm either believing in or three things I'm not. Um, and it came from realizing that the Heat were as high in the Eastern standing as they were at 19 and 8 with a 704 win percentage. Um, I don't think the Heat are that good. Well, what they are is they're not really bad at anything. They're not bad at anything, and they are very deep. Yeah. They have, like, two guys that do a little bit of everything. Bam is having a spectacular season, and that might be the difference, right? It might be Bam getting triple doubles and playing like a man that really wants a max contract in two years. Yeah, I think for them it's just uh, how much Olenek are they going to have to play when it matters. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's it's Olenek or Myers-Leonard. Yeah, and they I don't a, love either option. They have a dead spot in their lineup. That's the thing. So. They have an absolute dead spot, and they've gotten great contributions from Kendrick Nunn early. Uh, Harrow has not been as good as people think he's been. He's a lot of hype. Um, but I'm – is it Mitchell Robinson? Yeah, Mitchell Robinson. Yeah. Uh, or Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson. Wait. Okay, yeah. Duncan Robinson. He's shut the lights out early in the season, and I don't think that's going to go away. I just want, look at that team and how they let us come back from 20 down without Luka, and then you start picking a little bit at other things, and they had nobody that wanted the ball besides Jimmy Butler for about the last 15 minutes of that game, and you realize they're 8-7 and seven away from home. Um, I just don't think the Heat are – I mean, people are going to call them contender, contenders because they probably have a top eight record or top six record in the league. I just don't I don't believe in the Heat that much. Well, I guess you've got a couple pretty good coaches in that mix if you're talking about the top half of the East. But, mm-hmm. dude, I mean, suppose going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I don't doubt that. So. I don't doubt. I just don't that, think. I think he can make it work. Yeah, I think he can make it work, but I also think they are a second-round bounce, like no threat to make a conference finals. In uh, any way, at least right now, they could completely change um, what and who they are by the time the playoffs roll around. But not buying into the Heat. Um, I am buying into, which we haven't had to see the wrath of just yet, um, the Yaz. <laughs> I think the, the Jazz are much better than 15 and 11, than a 57% win percentage. Let's see, I, where are they on underperformed? Eh. Have they underperformed? No, nah, they're about dead even. I'm surprised yeah. to see their offense at 21st. Yeah, Conley's not been good. I've heard rumors he may be on the move. Ooh, that's I've interesting. heard people say – I've just heard that name thrown out there, and I'm like, really? They just got him. Just got him. Um, but I think they're way better than 15 and 11 and 5 and 8 away from home <laughs> and 4 four and 6 in the last 10. Um, I, I think the Jazz are going to be a problem. You're going to get to February, and you're going to be like, ah, crap. Jazz are back up to third. Um, yeah, Boyan's still killing it. Yeah, he's playing great. I don't feel like Donovan's played that well, uh, and I know Mike Conley hasn't. Um, and Gobert isn't getting as much love. I haven't really paid attention to what he's doing a ton. And the final one. His, his points per shot attempt are still oh, stupid. Still two. <laughs> Just, Just ridiculous. Just a flat two. 
Um, and then the last one that I think is, uh, it's overall, it's good for the league and maybe you get too much of this, like straight in your face every day when you wake up and put on sports center. I do not think the Lakers are the best team in the Western conference. I don't think there's any way. So how many games have there been where there was full compliment? Have the, let's remind me what the Clippers and Lakers have done this year. What do you mean? Against each other? Or? Yeah. Uh, let's see. I got it right here. So Clippers, Lakers played on 10-22. Clippers won by 10. Um, I think there's only been one, hasn't there? Okay. That was opening night. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't see another Clippers game. No on PG here. in that one. No PG. There. So I'm just trying to think if there. I was trying to think if I had forgotten a game where no. full complement clip. No, I mean they won by ten on opening night without PG. Yeah. Um, Clippers, I do. They scare the hell out of me. Oh yeah, I, I think mean, they are the, the <laughs> death machine. Um, that feels inevitable. But I, I, I feel like the Lakers have stacked up a lot of wins against a really soft schedule, an extremely soft schedule. Um, I mean. I can't. I'm not gonna go through each game here, but I'm looking at it and I'm like, yeah, okay. You got the Bulls, Hornets, Grizzlies, Spurs, uh, Suns, Warriors, which I'm sure they'll probably get four and zero in that. And then the teams that they've actually played that are like, okay, they've lost to. I mean, we got them once. We we ended their streak. Um, where's the other game that stood out to me? Was the Crap, I can't find it. Anyway, the good teams they played – oh, Raptors beat them by nine. So the good teams oh, they right, played yeah. have, have beat them. <laughs> they just haven't played that many good teams. And I just look at that team and I'm like, yeah, it's fun. I mean, LeBron and AD can probably make the best offense outside of us on a numbers basis uh, in the league. I just – I'm never going to believe in that defense. I'm just never going to do it. Uh, let's see here. Basketball reference rates their strength of schedule at – 24th yeah which seems about right but man I don't know I mean I hear what you're saying on the defense but AD might be the defensive player of the year right now yeah he could be and you still got uh you know still got Danny Green you still I mean Dwight Howard's decent at erasing Mm -hmm. other teams backup bigs sure I don't know, man. I mean, I I still think they're pretty terrifying. But even if not, like, what if we just said they're the second best team in the West? That still makes them, like, the third best team in the league. And you're like, okay, so maybe I don't believe you're one or two, but you're three. And then we get to the playoffs, and it's like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I was was just watching us play them, and I'm like, watching what we did to them the last time we played them, I'm like, uh, they're pretty vulnerable. I'm not buying in yet. And I know they're 24 and three, and it sounds like – just heresy to say but i would love a playoff series against the lakers <laughs> i would love a second round playoff series against the lakers yeah I you'd think. love to get some sort of uh any sort of rondo revenge yeah any way you could well, really. i just think we can get them i just think they're gettable i think and they're particularly gettable by our team the only thing that worries me is when you get into a game with lebron people start doing really weird crap like and he starts getting really weird calls like like the maxi yeah Olay. yeah like, it just weird stuff happens. <laughs> weird stuff happens when you play LeBron, and it usually goes in his favor. So, uh, I'd that's still the rather have them about. than the Clippers, even with the LeBron weird oh, factor. 100%. 100%. Like, I believe in the Clippers. Clippers to me are the best team in basketball right now. Uh, I, 
really, really enjoy it if we got seven games of Clippers Bucks. Oh yeah, that would make my year. That'd be great. But uh, I love that Bucks team, man. Yeah, that's it's a real pain. Um, all right, anything else you want to get to? Uh, I'll just give you my brief overview on roster tinkering. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I forgot to ask you. Like um, now that expectations have shifted, <laughs> do you want to shift any of the personnel? So. The short answer is no. I mean, obviously, you have a couple of a couple pieces that you look at and you think, I'm not so sure that this person is part of a long-term plan here who were acquired in other trades who have large contracts. But, man, maybe I'm just a sucker for team Instagram photos, <laughs> and maybe I'm a sucker for dudes clowning each other on the bench and on social media, but the best – acquisition that this team could make right now is a consistent near 40 point from deep shooting percentage from for Kristaps Porzingis <laughs> the best trade they could make yeah is him sitting at three and a half out of eight threes a game as opposed to two out of six and if they do that He's going to be scoring 20 points a game without really having to shoot more than a couple more times a game. Um, I mean, I know that there's some moves out there, but, you know, we all wanted him to get a shooter or more shooting just full stop. But I think if Seth is – he's not going to do what he did last night many nights, but if he's consistently able – to be just what he was before he came here and what he was here before when he was here, then you have shooting. You know, in the last few weeks, they've been middle of the road in defense. I don't really want to give anybody who contributes to that up. So I just don't see a way that I could both add shooting and not lose defense and do it in a clean move that makes you better. Right. So that's all to me I would say is that it just seems like we've been in as fans and, and media just in such tinkering mode for so long that now we're like, oh, we got to do something. Right. We got to do something. We got these guys that we could possibly trade. And yeah, I'm not saying that there's no moves out there that I wouldn't be interested in, but man, I think that whenever you're doing this on offense, the question is, is there some offense you'd be willing to give up? Maybe I guess to get back more defense. And I just think the current mix works so well mm -hmm. that save for really any of my top eight, going down for like a significant amount of time. It's just not something I'm all that interested in right now. Yeah, and to me, just judging from, I mean, the thirst is going to be out there. I feel like the Lakers are going to want to add somebody. I feel like the Clippers are probably going to add somebody. And I feel like the price to add a seventh best player, a sixth best player, I mean, you know the names that are out there is going to be way too high for me. I just don't. If we have the Warriors' second-round pick, which is probably going to be 31st overall, um, I don't think we need to jump into that market because it's going to be very pricey because people are going to see this window of when Golden State is out of the way, and they're going to be willing to pay pretty heavy. And flatly, I mean, a lot of these players are going to want to go to those teams. They're going to... Like, I've heard Andre Iguodala definitely wants to go back to California. Um, okay, well, I'm not going to add a guy that doesn't really want to be here. And I'm also not going to pay up. I'm not going to pay up in second-round picks or 
No. Young players, I'm just not going to do it. If there's a buyout market guy, let's talk. Uh, if you really think you fit here and you really want to play next to Luka, let's, let's see what we can do with that. Let's see if we can make the eighth best player, ninth best player on our team better. But to me, upgrading to the guys whose names are flying around is the market is going to be extremely hot. And there's going to be some substantial overpays. I just don't see any reason for it right now. Yeah, I don't either. As of right now, I don't. I mean, the worst thing that could have happened is Luca getting hurt. And I'm f- I, right now, it's happened, and I'm living in it, and I'm okay with it. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty fine with it. Um, I'm like, let's get these other guys some minutes. Let's see what they can do. Let's crank it up. Give let's see what bro- Jalen's got. Give me some broke <laughs> Yeah, give me some rowdy. I need get, it. Get rowdy out there, chunking up some threes. But, uh, yeah, so that's how I feel about it. But we'll see. I mean, if something makes a lot of sense, then I'm not going to be mad at him. But, uh, yeah, I would, I would just kind of let it, let it play out and see where we're going with this thing for a little bit longer. So final thing I'll say that if you're still listening to this podcast at hour 10 in and you would really enjoy going to the Celtics-Mavs games tomorrow night, Mavs game, there's not plural, there's not two of them, there's one. Um, it's an 8.30 tip, American Airlines Center, Mavs versus Celtics, and you would really want to go to the game, but you can't yet, and you'd really like to sit in the lower bowl, I got you. I got you. All you got to do is tweet at me, at Machine Sports. Let's go with, uh, what do you want him to say? What do you want him to tweet? I just I, I kind of want to do via Mexico way. Oh, I was going to say turbo. <laughs> turbo. Okay. Okay, let's do a, okay, here it is. First, so first person that tweets at me gets two tickets. Second person that tweets at me gets two tickets. Here's what you got to do. You got to tweet at Machine Sports on Twitter, and you're going to say, Via Mexico Way, hashtag Turbo. (laughs) And uh, I'll reach out to you. I'll send you two tickets for tomorrow's game. So two people are going to win. One person can get two tickets. The other person can get two tickets. At Machine Sports on Twitter, Via Mexico Way. Hashtag turbo. <laughs> All right. We're going to get out of here. I still haven't had lunch. Uh, again, me and Jake will be on the air the 24th, and we'll probably record something next week, hopefully. But uh, thank you for listening. And, Jacob, thank you for your time. Thank you for not filming. Yeah. <laughs>